0: Thank you for tuning in to the City Light West Council Bluffs Sermon Podcast. We are a church that exists to multiply disciples and churches that is located in Council Bluffs, Iowa. If you want to learn more about our church, visit citylightwestcb.org or follow us on Facebook at City Light West Council Bluffs and Instagram at City Light West CB. Good morning, City Light. Ooh, that was me. No, it wasn't. Uh, check. Should I do that again? Good morning, City Light. Ooh, a little less ringing, but we'll, we'll make it. Maybe I should scoot back a little bit, actually. That may help. Uh, it's, it's good to be able to gather together because there's lots of reasons not to come to church, if we're being honest. There's lots of reasons not to come to church. Like, I didn't get as much yard work done yesterday as I wanted to. It's really hard to gather all your kids up, get them dressed, and get them out the door in time to come to church. Like, you lose out a day of sleeping in. There's lots of things you can do except at the expense of coming to church. But the reason why we gather on Sunday mornings, the reason we get together as a body, is to experience the presence of God together. We have the opportunity every Sunday to come and to commune with the living God, the creator of heaven and earth, the one of whom the Bible says that there are heavenly beings surrounding his throne for all eternity, crying, holy, holy, holy. That's the God we have the opportunity to experience this morning. We come to experience his presence. We get to encounter that God and the good, like, that's what we were created for. We were created to experience relationship with God, to experience his presence. That's why we gather together. So it's good that we're here to experience that together this morning. And this morning, we're going to experience God by a lot of different things, by singing like we just did, by connecting with the body of Christ relationally with each other. We're going to do it later by taking communion experientially. And then we're going to also experience God by diving into his word, by getting into the book of Jonah. And what I hope we're seeing as we have been walking through the book of Jonah is that the God that we come to experience this morning is a God who pursues. He pursues, he chases down runaways. God pursues us through the trials of life, through the storms God is still pursuing us. God pursues us to this very moment and God even pursues, in our passage today, God pursues hypocrites. It's going to be a tough message, guys. (laughs) Hang in there. Uh, When I was in college, I got a job at a fine dining restaurant. Uh, This was the kind of restaurant with, like, white linen tablecloths, and it was set with, like, wine glasses and multiple forks on the table. You know what I'm saying? Multiple forks. It was a nice restaurant. When there's more than one fork and it's not rolled up in a thing, you know it's a nice restaurant. This is the kind of restaurant I would, I'd never stepped foot inside a restaurant like this before let alone eaten at a restaurant like this before and so I got this job through some connections and uh, I started out as a busboy, and then eventually I moved up to servers I served tables all through uh, college at this place and uh, I started so I started as a bus boy moved up and I was actually pretty good at that job if I don't say so myself I did what I could. I took it seriously because we're dealing with some like high dollar clients. So I want to do as well as I can to get that tip. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm, I'm learning everything I can. I'm learning all the little, you know, ins and outs of the menu and what to recommend so that people have the best experience they can. I was good at this job. But there was one part of the job I was subpar at, and that was carrying drinks on a tray. Does anybody ever served tables had to do this? And so uh, this is like a, a fancy restaurant. So we're carrying a lot of not like uh, pint glasses, but we're carrying a lot of like martini glasses and wine glasses and different like Collins glasses, different glasses that are top heavy is the problem with these glasses. And so I would, I would do a pretty good job. I'd just have to walk super slow balancing all these drinks like I'm walking a tightrope or something. And I was successful Except for once. There was one time I was not so successful at delivering the drinks to this table. This was a table of about 20 people. Uh, It was around Christmas time. They were split up over two tables. And so you got, you know, Uncle George and Aunt Ida and Grandma and Grandpa all come into town for Christmas. And they want to go out to a nice dinner to celebrate. And so they got on their nicest clothes. These people were, they were jazzed up. They were ready to go. They were excited about their real expensive dinner they were about to not enjoy all that much Um, and so they order all their drinks and I'm chumming it up like we're having a good time we're laughing things are going great and so I go grab their drinks and I balance it on the tray and like if you've never worked in the service industry this tray is a very delicate balance and so I have to deliver these drinks to each person but the problem, like I said, is there are two tables. And so as I'm dropping drinks off, I'm also weaving between chairs and dropping them and weaving and dropping them. And when I saw the vodka martini slowly start to wiggle, I said, well, here we go. It'll, it'll be fine. We're just going to lose one drink. I'll make it a new one. No big deal. We'll lose one drink. But the issue is, is when one drink falls... It throws off the balance of the tray. And so as this drink falls this direction, my hand goes like this, another one falls, and it goes like this, and we're back and forth and back and forth and back and forth until nine drinks spill on this poor table. Glass is everywhere. It is a mess. And and the worst part about it is this is like the very beginning of the dinner. So these people have to sit and eat For like an hour and a half in dirty wet sticky clothes (laughs) like this is a disaster and the worst part of this story is not necessarily that the drink spilled the worst part of the story is my response to the whole thing like who knows what are you supposed to say to something like that and so after all these drinks fall back and forth and back and forth and back and forth there's just a silence goes over the whole room and i my bad? Like, I don't know what to say at all. My bad. And what Chuck read for us this morning is Jonah having his my bad kind of moment. Jonah gets on this boat, and this storm happens, and the sailors are panicking, and they come to Jonah, and they're like, Jonah, what's going on? What's going on? What did you do? Jonah's sin is highlighted. His screw-up is plain for all to see. So these guys, their lives are in peril, and Jonah's just like, my bad? I don't know. And his answer to the accusation of the sailors, when the sailors come at him and say, What have you done? his answer highlights what is going on inside of Jonah. It gives us insight into his prideful, religious heart, it shows us clearly his hypocrisy. But the good news for us and the good news for Jonah is that God pursues hypocrites. God pursues hypocrites. So let's open up the book of Jonah this morning, Since, especially since we don't have it on screen. Uh, open up the book of Jonah. You got those pew Bibles in front of you. It's not the same exact uh, translation, but we'll, we'll, we'll roll with it. Chapter 1, verse 7 of Jonah says, They said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. And so they cast lots, and the lots fell on Jonah. That's kind of an interesting passage. These sailors, they basically roll the dice to figure out who caused the harm. And that may sound weird to us, but casting lots was actually a super normal practice back in ancient times. It helped people to determine the will of their gods, right? And we actually see God's people do this throughout the Bible as well. It's prevalent in the history of Israel. Lots were cast to determine how to split up the promised land between the tribes of Israel in the book of Joshua. Casting of lots was used to distribute the priestly offices in 1 Chronicles. And lots were even cast to determine who would replace Judas as one of the twelve disciples. And these are just a few examples. It's all through the Bible. Proverbs even has a saying about this. It says, It says, proverbs sixteen thirty three says the lot is cast into the lap but it's every decision is from the lord so people would cast lots to hear what god's will was and we have to remember like this is before god's people had access to the holy spirit we talked a few weeks ago about how god's spirit rested in the tabernacle and only one person one time a year could enter into the holy of holies and commune with god And this is before the scriptures are codified and passed down. This is before even a lot of people had never even seen the image of God in Jesus. The people wanted to hear from God, but they had no access to him. So what they would do is they would cast lots and simply trust that he's in control. They trusted that he was in control. So however the dice fell, so to speak, they would just kind of go with it. And honestly, I kind of love that attitude because sometimes we get so much decision anxiety when we start asking the question of like, what is God's will for me? What should I do with my life? What does God want me to do? We can just get so bogged down in that question that we never actually leave that question. We end up just getting so anxious about what to do that we never actually do anything. We can get caught up in that what is God's will for my life questions. Well, the Bible tells us, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Micah 6, 8, He has told you, O man, what is good. What does the Lord require of you? but to do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with your God. God's will is that you rejoice, you give thanks, you pray, you do justice, you love mercy, you walk humbly. So go do something, but do it that way. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They would cast lots because they didn't know what else to do, and they were looking for direction, and then they would just go with it. And sometimes we get so frozen in the decision anxiety that God just says, hey, why don't you step out and do something? Do it the way I've called you to do it. If any of you are kind of in that spot where you feel like, I just, I've been asking this question for years and I just can't get answers, a good book I'll just recommend, a little book recommendation from the stage, it's a book called Just Do Something by Kevin DeYoung. And so look into that on your own. We'll, we'll keep going. That's not necessarily the point of this whole thing. Sorry, took a, a little detour there back to Jonah. This is where the story starts getting good. The sailors roll the dice, it lands on Jonah, and verse 8 says, then they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon, and what is your occupation, and where do you come from? What is your country, and what people are you? So the sailors accuse Jonah, like, what are you doing here, dude? What's going on? And in verse 9, Jonah's response, we're going to spend most of our time this morning, Jonah said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea in the dry land. Jonah responds, well, I'm a Hebrew, and I fear God, the real God, the God who made all this stuff. That's the God I serve, and me reading that says, oh, really, Jonah? (laughs) Is that True? Like, do you actually fear that God? Do you actually serve that God? Because just three sentences ago, God called you to go do something, and not only did you not do it, you ran in the total opposite direction of God. Blatant disobedience to God. So yeah, I'm a Hebrew, I fear the Lord. Yeah, right, Jonah. Yeah, sure you do. This is the essence of what hypocrisy is. Jonah's one thing in public... This good, upstanding, religious man, he's a prophet of God. But in private, he is something totally different. Jonah doesn't fear the Lord. This whole story is about his disobedience. The storm comes because Jonah doesn't obey. It's religious hypocrisy. Like, why would you even say that? That can't be true. Once again, Jonah is a complete idiot. How could anybody be like this? Oh, really, God says as I'm writing this sermon, judging Jonah. <laughs> Kinnan, you've never had a contradiction between what you believe and what you do. Kinnan, you've never used Christian cliches to make yourself look better than you are. Kinnan, you've never used religious talk to hide. Yeah, keep talking that stuff on Jonah because sometimes Kinnan Bear is Jonah. Sometimes we're all Jonah. Saying one thing out front, but our actions and our hearts do not line up with the ideal. I think there's two things we really need to watch for in our own hearts as followers of Jesus. Like, we are the religious people of the day, right? And two sins that religious people can fall into are hypocrisy and pride. And this morning we're going to zero in on hypocrisy specifically. And I want to be really honest, it's been a crazy week for me, Uh, so I'm not beating around the bush here, we're just going to go straight at it, not fancy poetic language, we're just going to talk about it right, right, head on. Jonah says he fears God, but obviously his actions do not line up with his words. And we can easily fall into that same category. We are Christians, we follow Jesus, right? And the question is, oh really, is that so? And I could list out the statistics of Christians in our Bible reading, in our prayer, in our giving, our pornography use, our church attendance, our evangelistic efforts, how often we actually go serve the poor, but I doubt I need to list off all those statistics for you right now to be thinking of something in your own life where your actions don't necessarily line up with your beliefs. I probably don't need to list out all those things for you to know what it is inside your heart that isn't quite aligned with God's will. And if you can't think of anything, then you're either Jesus himself or you need to grow in self awareness. Um, (laughs) I said, I'm not pulling punches. Uh, The discrepancy between what the Bible calls God's people to do and what we say we're about, the difference between that and how we actually live led, read, led one author of a book to, to say, walking into church is like walking into the Coca-Cola headquarters to see everyone drinking Pepsi. Our actions sometimes do not line up with the message we're selling. We're not buying our own product. I mean, this was Jesus' main complaint against the Pharisees, right? Hypocrisy. And Jesus rails against them pretty hard. Jesus actually tends to have his harshest words towards the most dedicated religious Jews of the day. Like, he invites sinners in for dinner, but he rebukes the Pharisees. And that's because hypocrisy is a big deal. It's a big deal. Brennan Manning has a quote, and he always does. Uh, (laughs) the, The greatest single cause of atheism in this world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny Him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. This is a deadly, serious issue. How many people have heard... Somebody outside the church say, well, I don't go to church because it's full of hypocrites. We've all heard that, probably. And how many people have heard, like, or seen a meme or seen a Christian respond to that be like, well, yeah, that's why we go to church, because we're all hypocrites. That's why we need church. I've seen memes like that. I've seen megachurch pastors post a clip of their sermon on Facebook that says something in those terms. It's tweetable. It makes for a good sermon clip. But I also think it breaks the heart of our God. For us to willingly accept that label instead of changing it. It's not okay to be a hypocrite because of grace. It's not. We are followers of Jesus. We are called to holiness. Not perfection. Yet holiness differentness we are called to be different from the world if the watching world doesn't see our love for them if they don't see our care for the poor and the marginalized if they don't notice our generosity if they don't marvel at our unity for one another whose fault is that we spend so much time complaining about a world they're falling away from god our society is going down have we ever stopped to consider maybe it's us why don't we look at ourselves and say, maybe it's our fault. God ordained his people in the book of Genesis to be a blessing to the nations. That is our call, is God's people. And the question is, does our, do our neighbors truly see us as a blessing? Or do they see us as a bunch of liars, hypocrites, sitting in the building looking out for their own good? That's what verse verse 10 shows us. This. The men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. The sailors noticed. They, They could see the hypocrisy of Jonah. It wasn't hard to look at. He couldn't sneak it in unnoticed. And the world sees our hypocrisy. If we want to reclaim the Christian witness, if we want the church to have credibility again, it's going to come from our holiness, our unity, our love, and our generosity. And A.W. Tozer said, like, to bring some good news to this, nothing can destroy Christianity if we live like Christians, if we become a people who look like Jesus, if we become cross-shaped in everything we do, if we sacrifice our own good for the good of others, if we lay down our rights to serve others, if we look like Jesus. Jesus who stepped down from heaven and considered himself nothing all the way to death on a cross. If we would bear our cross, take it up daily. If we live like Christians, nothing can destroy us. And this is where Jonah failed. Jonah's disobedience caused the storm. His sin was so apparent, it was even apparent for the pagan sailors. And instead of owning up to it, Jonah hides behind his lineage, his credentials, and his theology. Jonah tries to puff himself up like, I'm a Hebrew. I fear the true God. But this is where Jonah gets it wrong. Maybe Jonah should have sounded a little bit like Paul. In 1 Corinthians fifteen nine through 10 where Paul introduces himself, he says, For I am least of the apostles. I'm unworthy to be an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God, but by the grace of God, I am who I am. Paul understands what Jonah doesn't, that it's only by the grace of God. We are God's people at all. We don't puff ourselves up because we are something. We humble ourselves because our God is great. Paul understands this in 1 Timothy 1, 12 through 15. Is another awesome example where Paul says, I thank him. I am the foremost. Christ Jesus came to save sinners, and I'm the worst of them. This is how we fight hypocrisy. To stop acting like we have all the answers. We don't need to be high and mighty, up on a perch, telling everybody what to do. We don't need to be arrogant and rude. We walk humbly. We acknowledge our sin and don't hide it. We confront it. We turn from it. We don't come up with a cutesy meme to blow it off. We grieve over our sin. The truth of the gospel is not that we have everything figured out. The truth of the gospel is not that we have these perfect lives that are all tied up in a little bow. No, the truth of the gospel is that we were desperately sick with sin, with no hope to save ourselves, but in the midst of our sin, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know how we can start changing the world's view of the church? How can we stop being seen as hypocrites? Let's bring our sin to the surface and rejoice in the fact that Jesus' death is what bought our redemption. And say, so instead of hiding, instead of lying, instead of pretending it's not there, let's lift our sin up and say, Jesus, take it. It It's like, let's be great, not because of our own name or because of our own status or anything, but let's, let's make the name of Jesus great if we want to stop being a hypocrite, let's stop defining ourselves anything other than a sinner saved by grace. And we can stop pretending, stop lying, rest in the fact that your lineage doesn't save you, your knowledge doesn't save you, your religious pedigree doesn't save you. Only Jesus can. So we say to a a world, hey world, look, I'm still trying to figure this out. I don't have all the answers. My life is a mess. I've only lived this life one time, you know? This is all of our trial runs at life. (laughs) But Jesus saved me. I don't have everything figured out, but I know one thing Jesus saved me. He rescued me from my sin. Instead of pretending to be like, have it all together. We simply admit our weakness and glorify the God who saved us. And if we do that, I think we're going to be free. Guys, it's so much effort to hide and pretend and to be something you know you really aren't. That takes a toll on a soul. Church, if we were to simply to acknowledge our sin, let's bring it to the surface. Let's not pretend to be anything we're not. Let's just be humble before God and accept his grace for us. And that's one reason why we do communion every week. As a first step in acknowledging that I'm a sinner, I've messed up. I failed. But God so loved the world that he stepped down to earth and died to forgive us. That we may have a relationship with him again. This is the good news this morning that Jesus died to save hypocrites like me. That Jesus not only died, he pursues hypocrites like me. God pursues us this morning. He wants to change us, turn us into his image. And if you don't know this Jesus, this Jesus who frees you from the shackles of being somebody you aren't, accept his free gift of grace this morning. It's available for all who would come to him to acknowledge their sin. Pray this morning for his forgiveness and ask him for strength to guide you as you walk down a path of humility weakness and reliance on him for grace then come take communion as a new follower of Jesus and pray with Brenda in the back then afterwards come talk to me or Chuck we'd love to celebrate you as a new brother and sister in Christ and the other option this morning is that there's something that I as I was speaking the Lord was laying on your heart to say like man this thing is what makes me feel like a fake there's this thing in my life that kind of makes me feel like a phony Receive prayer for that too. Brenda's going to be in the back praying over people. If you need me or Chuck to pray for you, we'd love to do that. But before you do that, come take communion. Because the death of Jesus has covered the punishment for that sin. You are no longer guilty in the sight of the Lord if you've decided to follow Jesus. If you trust in his blood for the forgiveness of your sin, in his death to pay the price you could never pay. So come, take communion, celebrate the fact that although we are all hypocrites at one time or another and in one area of our life or another, the death of Jesus has forgiven us and it's given us the strength, he's given us the Holy Spirit to help us overcome our sin and to step out into a world as his witnesses. I was going to have this in my sermon, I'm not going to say it, I'll I'll save it for something else. The word witness, when Jesus said he's called us to be our witnesses, the same root word there is for the word martyr. So we lay our lives down for the sake of Jesus' name being made great. We die to ourselves. He must become greater, I must become less. That's what it looks like to follow Jesus. So in just a moment the worship team will come up we just invite you to come forward and take communion take the bread or the the cracker it's a symbol of his body that was broken for you and the juice is a symbol of his blood that was shed for you these things when you accept Jesus you follow Jesus these become a symbol of celebration a symbol of the fact that he died so that you could have new life there was nothing we could have done to save ourselves but because he died he offers us that opportunity So we should invite you, uh, after I pray here, to come take communion and then worship the God who pursues hypocrites like me. Let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus, we're thankful for the truth that you pursue us. That you pursue us even though we like to hide, even though we like to pretend, even though we like to portray to the world that we've got it all together. Lord, we're thankful that you pursue people like that. We're thankful that you pursue hypocrites. Lord, I just pray that this morning that this church, we would confront the reality and we wouldn't run from it. We wouldn't put up walls around it, but we would own it. And we would be people who don't deny our sin and deny our weakness, but people who own it so that we can lift up your name. Like, God, the great truth is that you come to save sinners. Like, what kind of God are you that you come to save people like me? People who don't have it all together. Like, and what kind of God would you be if you only accepted people who did have it all together? Lord, break down our conceptions of who you are so that we understand and we can come out into the light and stop hiding and stop pretending, God. Lord, we need your spirit to do that. So I ask just over this next song, as we take communion, we would be overwhelmed with your grace for us. That that would become the defining reality of who we are, to the point to where we don't stand up and say, well, I'm a Christian, I follow Jesus. But we say, oh, I'm a screw up, but Jesus saved me. Lord, help us to change our posture from proud and arrogant religious folks to humble, cross-shaped followers of you. We love you. We're thankful that you're here this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening. This podcast is not intended to serve as a substitute for gathering with a local body of believers, but as a resource that encourages and empowers you to follow Jesus as your heart is pointed towards the gospel. If you want to learn more about our church, visit citylightwestcb.org.